Welcome back to my quarter life crisis. Happy hump day. We made it to Wednesday. That was beautiful. Talent, ladies, talent. Someone hire this woman. <laughs> I need the third job, please. I don't know. If, I don't know if either one of us need that. No. How's your week going? Honestly, my week was very mundane. The only notable thing that happened in our week, our as in me and Eric, our week is that we realized we really need to stop eating so many carbohydrates. <laughs> so uh, we're going to try to do some high protein, low carb action. Yeah. Because I, I have two vacations coming up, so I need to look a little bit slimmer. The rest of the year is so busy and is going to be documented in so many different ways. And I really need to get back on that same train. And I am. My gym that I've been waiting to open since April finally opened this month in August. Jeez. And so I've gone one day back and Monday's a new day and I'm going back hard. Diet starts two days ago once this post. Yeah, it's weird to talk in the... <laughs> Diet starts Monday. In the future tense. <laughs> so hopefully by Wednesday I'm, I'm still going hard. We're going to be on track. We're going to be accountable. We're going to freaking grind, ladies. This is your sign. You can do it. It might suck, but it only sucks for a couple days. And then you're just like, okay, this is my new routine. Like, I'm not going to eat bread every meal. Like, I got to <laughs> sometimes eat, like, a sandwich wrapped in lettuce. And they're good. Yeah, honestly. So I just had Jimmy John's, <laughs> the little unwitch. For the first time, right? Yeah, wrapped in lettuce. I've never had it like that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I would definitely get a gun. I was telling Caroline, I was telling her about them and I was saying they're actually really good in like the hotter months of the year because they're so like cold and fresh and crisp. Yeah. So Jimmy John's sandwich wrapped in lettuce is a 10 out of 10. You heard it here first. Oh. Hot take. This is a My Quarter Life Crisis exclusive. (laughs) So how was your week? It was a really long week. It was a long week. Really? I was telling somebody the other day, I don't remember who it was, that whenever I come back from like being gone from my kids or like being like on a trip or something, it's always a really hard week that follows. It's like they're, oh, you think you can be gone? Oh, I'll show you. You ain't ever going to leave again after this week. You're going to think twice about that. They were plotting all weekend against you. (laughs) Man, it, it was a hard week with them. And it doesn't help that VL school is on a break for two weeks. And this was the first week of that. So just like getting back into the routine of things after being gone for a few days, but still being out of the routine of her not going to school and like me not having that time. Yikes. It was not a great combo. So yeah, I've been really tired this week, but part of that is my kids and part of that is on myself because I've been staying up really late reading. Ooh, reading and not watching TikTok? Man, I've barely been on TikTok this week, low key. Oh, a woman with some hobbies. (laughs) Okay. I'm on my third book this week. I said on last week's episode that I had started It Ends With Us and I finished it the next day. And then I finished another book since then and I'm halfway through my third one now. I cannot relate in the slightest. Are you ever, if I tell you about these books and that they're 10 out of 10s and that they're so good, are you ever going to pick them up or can I talk about it? I don't want to ruin it for you if there's the slightest chance. I've only thought about reading one book recently and it's The Hotel Nantucket and it's solely because we're going to Nantucket and people have been posting it and I was like, well, maybe I should read it, but I really, I just cannot force myself to read. I'm sorry. Why? What do you have against reading? Like I don't, but when I get home from a long day, my brain has nothing left to give. Like I want to sit and be a couch potato and not think. Man, you're talking to the CEO of that. I can't. I can't. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to talk about them for just a few minutes. I'm going to talk about It Ends With Us and Ugly Love by Colleen Hoover briefly. So if you're ever going to read these books, which I really, 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 really think you should, just skip ahead like a minute, okay? I'll give you a second. Okay. So both of these books involve like sex, love, heartache, but like in the best ways. It ends with us. The reason it was so good is because it like. Because it ended with us? It actually does end with us. <laughs> Except there's another book that says it starts with us. So who knows? Ends and begins. But it really um, like prompts a lot of conversation within yourself and like makes you think a lot of things. So one of the big topics of it is um, like domestic abuse kind of. It's like a big theme throughout. And even the main character, 
she has this like inner dialogue with herself about how she always judged somebody in her life for being in an, an abusive relationship. And then she finds herself in one, but she is like making excuses for herself and like finding reasons to stay. And she like fights with herself the whole time. Like I'm doing something that I always judge about. And it just like, it doesn't condone any type of violence, but it just makes you think like not to judge it so hard from the outside and like shows a lot of the layers about it and kind of explains like what might be going through somebody's head and that it's not so black and white all the time even though maybe it should be. That is actually really interesting. I might pick up a book now. <laughs> and it's really hard, too, because you fall just as in love with, like, her partner as she did. And so then you're kind of going through, like, that heartbreak with her. So just, like, it's kind of gut-wrenching. And it doesn't have, like, a great ending, like, happy ending. And then Ugly Love was hot. It was hot. Hot and heavy. <laughs> it ends with us had a lot of sex in it, but Ugly Love was like 10 times more in a good way. <laughs> and yeah, that one has a lot of heartache in it too. It's stuff that you are kind of like waiting for an answer for throughout the whole book. And then when you get it, it's just gut wrenching, but it does have a happy ending and it's it's really, really good. And I really wish you would read them. You're honestly selling me right now on reading. Okay. So next week, Maybe you can like... Well, honestly, here's the thing. If I'm going to start reading, I need to buy a Kindle. I cannot read a paper book. I have a Kindle and I'm the same way. I have like hard copy books or like physical books and I have a hard time picking them up. The Kindle, for some reason, made all the difference in the world for me. Probably because we're addicted to technology. <laughs> well, maybe. And it's just so much easier because... Yeah. Those Colleen Hoover books, I finish one and I'm like, okay, I know which one I want to read next, download, and I don't have to go to Target, to go somewhere. And so it's like really keeping me going with it. Hmm. And you can get Kindle Unlimited and there's a lot of free books on there too. Well, you might just sell me on this episode. Um, But I do have a homework for you while I'm talking about maybe giving you homework for reading. I do have an actual homework for you that I have not told you about prior to this. I'm scared. I need you to watch The Summer I Turned Pretty. Okay. Where is that streaming on? Amazon. Okay. It's so good. I watched it in a day. And I know how picky you are with TV. And it's really like lighthearted for the most part and just kind of like feel good. That's exactly what I need. Just some feel good. I don't need to feel any worse. <laughs> I need something to make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> but you're so picky with TV sometimes. I'm kind of scared to recommend something to you. But I just need you to watch it and then we can talk about it because I don't know anybody in my personal life that's actually watched it. Okay. Yeah. I'll watch it. I'll report back. Okay, we'll talk next week. So y'all have one week. If y'all want to get in on this conversation next week, watch The Summer I Turned Pretty on Amazon. I'm not kidding. I literally watched it in a day. It's really easy to get through. If you want to join in on the fun, we'll reconvene next week. We'll have like a book club, except <laughs> TV, club. TV club. That's something I can really get on. A oh, TV yeah. club. Yeah, me too. That's right up my alley. Well, I haven't had much time to watch TV lately because I've just been reading so much. Oh my God, you're such a reader. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I do have one more thing that I want to talk about. What's up? Last night, I had a dream that I don't remember the whole dream, like what was going on. And I didn't even actually think that much of it until this morning. I woke up and I was telling Preston about it because I remembered it. But once I finally told him about it, I was like, yeah, I had a dream last night that all my teeth were falling out. What? <laughs> and then once I said that, I remembered that that's like a, like a, a common dream, a common dream that apparently has like big meaning to it what does it mean okay so when you google what does teeth falling out dream mean the first thing that comes up says teeth falling out are associated with loss and important life changes this dream can indicate that you're dealing with some kind of loss like an abrupt end to a relationship or a job change hmm. so i'm kind of on alert now because i've never had that dream before and then once i said it out loud to preston i was like oh that I've heard of that mm -hmm. before and that yeah. that type of dream like signifies something like heavy. Honestly, I never remember what my dreams are. I wake up and there's not a single thought in my head. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had a dream. And if I do dream, it's work. I'm dreaming about home loans. Oh, that's stressful. Yeah, I'm literally working in my sleep. <laughs> I've remembered my dreams once since my pregnancies because you dream like crazy and crazy vivid when you're pregnant. Pregnant dreams are something else. And then also I had sinus surgery a few months ago and I don't know what, but ever since then, I don't know if like the anesthesia like, did something to me, <laughs> but literally ever since then, 
I guess it's been kind of like trailing off the further away I get from it. But like for a long time afterwards, I've had like really long, rememberable dreams. Blame it on the anesthesia. (laughs) Musical queen today. I don't know why that came to my head. How interesting. Huh. Well, I hope nothing really crazy is going to happen. I mean, neither of those things, but I'm on alert for what's going to happen. Well, happy Bama Bid Day. (laughs) Oh, is it? Yeah, today. Well, we record on Sunday. So today, Sunday night is Bama Bid Day. Or sorry. Yeah, Bama Bid Day. I have gotten a lot of Bama rush talk, but I haven't. I told you I haven't been on TikTok that much this week, actually. I cannot escape the TikTok dance that every sorority is doing. It's like, yeah, it it lives rent free on my screen. Yeah, I do get a lot of that. And I'm even getting it from like other organizations within college. Like I got the tech dance team, a Texas tech yeah, dance team. Yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> yeah, so it's not even just sororities that I'm getting. I'm just getting like beginning of the school year. Come join our organization dances. Honestly, I'm not mad. I love to watch them and be like, yeah, they could have, they could have cut that girl. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like in my bed on TikTok, like can barely even like touch my toes. And I'm like, "Mm, no, girl on the right, do better. (laughs) Judging my ass off and I have not one ounce of room. In my head though, I can do that dance. I can execute it. Mm -hmm. In my head though. I'm like the Abby Lee Miller while I'm watching these TikToks. Yeah. Well, while we're on the topic of Rush, I wanted to, it kind of sparked my memory of, how many years ago was that? 2016? It was our sophomore year of college. Yeah. That was six years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm old. So long story short, I was a freshman in college at the University of Texas in Austin. I didn't really have a great experience. And so I transferred to Texas A&M the next year. So I did one year at UT and then three years at A&M. And when I transferred over, I decided I wanted to rush a sorority because I had friends that had been in a sorority and it sounded like fun and I don't know. It sounded like a great idea. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, obviously a lot of people think that. Yeah, especially if you go to school in the SEC. So Texas A&M, pretty big with sororities. I did go through the process of rush, literally had all the outfits. I had my OOTDs before people did OOTDs. Addison actually drove me. Remember that? You would drive me to the sorority row instead of me taking the bus. You would drop me off. Yeah. Because the bus was a nightmare. Yeah. And it was like early in the morning. Yeah. It was an all-day affair. It was – Rush is not for the faint of heart. A lot of the TikToks I've been getting have been with that sound that's like, it's 7 in the morning. (laughs) It's 7 in the morning. And they're like doing cartwheels and like Mm -hmm. in their yards in front of the houses. That's honestly how Rush is. It's a nightmare. It's a fever dream. Yeah. So I went through all of Rush and I made it to the last, I made it to pref night. And another long story short is my grandma was actually a Delta Gamma yeah. and she went to SMU. Right. And both of my cousins were Delta Gamma. So I really wanted to be a, legacy. A, DG, a DG because that was what my grandma and my cousins were. My cousin was actually the president of her chapter. So I was set. I was like, I want to be Delta Gamma. Well, and a lot of the times that gives you a leg up. Yeah, you would think. So I made it to like, I went through every round and I thought it was going really good. And then I got the call from my Rogam that Delta Gamma had dropped me on the last night. So after you got that call or text from your Rogam, you came into my room that morning because it was pretty early in the morning because you didn't know if you needed to get ready or not. Yeah. Yeah. And you were rightfully pretty upset and you were just gonna like leave town for the weekend i think you went home for the weekend and so after that like we didn't talk about it all that much i mean i know it was kind of sensitive at the time so i wasn't gonna be like what's up what's up what's up like all in your face about it (laughs) so when you heard from her like did you have any inkling that that was gonna happen or did you feel really confident i'm trying to think back six years ago i honestly thought that it was going well there was a couple of other houses that I liked, but mm-hmm. honestly, I was really focused on DG because right. that's what my heart was set on. So right. I think I might have subliminally cut strings with other sororities yeah. prematurely because I was wanting to go DG. Right. 
So, but I mean, like, did you feel like you could kind of see it coming or did you feel like secure when you were talking to them? Yeah, I felt really secure when I was talking to them. So it was like a blindside for sure. You That's were. why I was like shocked. Yeah. I mean, you would have had every right to be upset either way, especially, you know, like if you felt like you had good connections and stuff with them. But I didn't know if you were like, I don't know, like that one didn't go that great. Or if you like felt really good about it. Yeah, no, I felt really good about the time that I was there. Um, and it was really sad. I think that was like the first major rejection of my life Yeah, was going through that whole process and then just being like turned down, Yeah, which was really, really hard. And I feel like I was so embarrassed at the time because you don't want to admit like I went through sorority rush and I didn't. Right. I didn't get a bid right. like, from the sorority. I, I could have gotten a bid from some rando sorority, but I didn't. I wouldn't have been happy, and I probably wouldn't have joined. Right. So for a while, I was just. I don't even think I told many people. My close friends knew, but it's not like, oh yeah, I went through rush. I know I would never tell anybody that. Right. I mean, yeah, it's not like a topic like, of oh, conversation. Yeah, I got rejected from rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now looking back, I think it's so funny because. I don't think I would be the same person I am today if I was in a sorority. Mm -hmm. I know I for sure would not have the lifelong friends that I made in college because I would not have had a job. Right. If I was in a sorority, I wouldn't have had time because honestly, I didn't need a job to like survive. I really had a job to like keep me busy and have some fun money. Yeah. <laughs> have some money to go to Northgate. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was in a sorority, I definitely would not have worked at David's Bridal and made all my like lifelong friends. Yeah. I think our I think our lives right now would look really different about that because I think it's what you're saying. I don't think that you would have worked there because I worked at David's Bridal before Caroline and I, you know, like made all these friends and we just became all of us friends because Caroline was my roommate and my other best friend. So we were all together a lot of the time, but especially Caroline coming to work there, it was just we were all with each other all of the time and i don't think that that would have happened either no. like you said you just would not have had time and who knows if we would even still be close yeah you know? and those are still our best friends like we have like a group of seven of us that are legitimately best friends even six seven years later like who we were all just in austin with and like yeah. we're going to each other's weddings and they've all been to my baby shower and like i think all of that would be different 100%. And I feel like when I went through that process, I really thought I needed to go through Rush to make friends. Yeah. And that's just not the case. Especially at Texas A&M, it's so huge. There's hundreds of organizations. Right. And I was in other organizations. They were fine. But really, I made my lifelong friends at work, which right. is funny. Yeah. So, yeah. But the moral of the story is rejection is really just a form of redirection. And I truly believe that I was meant to be rejected from that situation. Mm -hmm. Now I kind of laugh about it because I'm like, y'all missed out. Like, I'm a fucking businesswoman, bitch. Like, you missed out. And I'm a good time. I'm a fun girl. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't meant to be. And I also had a similar situation with rejection. Um, not with men. That's happened too. But whenever... <laughs> I've been rejected by a man too. Don't worry. Uh, I had that as well. But... So my degree in college was human resource development, so HR. So whenever I graduated college, I thought, oh, I'm going to go into HR and do that because that's what my degree was in. Mm -hmm. And so I applied for hundreds of jobs. I went through maybe three, four rounds of interviews on specific jobs, and then it get down to the last minute, and they're like, okay, we went with someone else. So That's I so just, discouraging. Yeah, I just kept getting the door slammed in my face, and I was just like, well. Especially when you think things are going well. Yeah, I I had one job. I made it to round four, and then they were like, "Well, we went with the other candidate." That's a little ridiculous. Yeah. I have to say, like you really don't know. Like, come on, right? Four dates, right? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you by like date two, like you if this think. is something we're gonna keep up or not. Yeah. So after a while, I just took a pause and I kept working at my job that I had interned with after college. But now it's so funny because I know again, like I was not meant to be in HR. Mm -hmm. I was meant to be in mortgage and I finally have a career I'm actually passionate about. But at the time, it just felt so shitty. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why am I applying to hundreds of jobs and not getting them? Yeah. But I just wasn't meant to be there. And I guess they knew or the other person was just 
more convincing. And I'm so glad. I'm so, so glad that none of them offered me a job because I wouldn't be here. Right. I probably wouldn't even own a home. Yeah. I had something kind of similar. It's not necessarily rejection because when I was applying to jobs in college, so I applied to David's Bridal and I also applied to like a tanning place in town and I got offered both jobs. And so I was like, "Mm, I don't know what I want to do. But then I was like, you know, I want to be tan. So I actually accepted the job at the tanning place and I called our boss at David's. Mm -hmm. Um, She interviewed me and I just told her that I had another job offer that I was going to go with. And she told me that they really liked me and if I ever changed my mind to give her a call and there would be something waiting for me. And so I accepted the job at the tanning place and I actually did like all of my training for it on my computer at home. And then once I finished, I let the boss know there and she was like, okay, I'm making the schedule, whatever. I literally don't know what happened. She never put me on the schedule. Like I never heard from her. I was never put on the schedule. I was hired sent home to do my training, and then never put on the schedule. And so I was like, okay, I don't know. Am I employed? Yeah, I don't know where the disconnect is here, but I just knew that it was not the right vibe for me. Because I was like, if you can't even communicate with me about a schedule, like this is obviously not something I need to be a part of. And so I called our boss at David's and I was like, hey, you remember when you said if I changed my mind, I could come work there? And she was like, yeah. And I did, like, for all four years of college. And like we were just talking about, that's where we met, like, our very best friends. And I 100% think that all of that happened so that I could have ended up where I did. I I forgot about that story. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty soon after I even got into college. Because I did need a job in college. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I guess my instances are a little different than yours because I haven't had, like, certain no doors have been slammed in your face quite extremely yet yeah not yet <laughs> don't worry <laughs> i mean i'm sure you'll get one maybe slammed. i can avoid that <laughs> it sounds lame I, mean, I guess it kind of is lame but like any big rejections that i've faced in my life have been with guys and people that i was dating and preston and i have been together for a long time most of my 20s but there were two guys in my like late teens early 20s like I don't want to say adult life because I think that part of your adult life and like this part of your adult life are a lot different. I'm just saying not like my first boyfriend in junior high. Like I was not when you were 14. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, before Preston, there were two guys that I had talked to seen, like whatever you want to call it. Oddly enough, neither one of them were ever actually like my legit boyfriend, but there was definitely like, Y'all were talking back and forth. Well, it, I would say it was more than talking too, though. Like there was... You were dating? There were, you go on dates? hmm There were relations. I think it was kind of just like, and I don't mean this in like just a hooking up way, but like they were getting the benefits of like being in a relationship without like owing me like the other parts of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not just saying that in a hookup way. It was just kind of like in a stringing along kind of way that I see now mm-hmm. looking back on it. And... And even though those situations like weren't great for me and like I was just saying, looking back, they were kind of both stringing me along. Neither of those situations I ended. I know that they needed to end now, but they weren't my choice at the time. And so, I mean, there's definitely there was definitely a big element of rejection. And it was weird because it's like you're not even you're not even my boyfriend. Exactly. Like, how am I still getting rejected from this? It was just like a situationship. Perfect way to describe it. Yes. And I mean, yeah, obviously that's painful. Like, no matter which way you slice it, whether, you know, I feel like even if you go on one date with somebody and they're like, eh, this ain't it for me. Like, that still hurts. It still stings. Even if you're not fully committed into it, like, it doesn't ever feel good to feel like you're not what somebody else wants. And then you just start thinking, well, what about myself wasn't good enough? And that was 100% my mindset with both of them because it's like, well, what do I have that like makes me undesirable? What am I missing that one just makes them want to be with me like I want to be with them when I thought I thought that they did want that, you know? And then things just kind of like end. Like, what is it about me that is keeping this from happening that what am I missing that somebody else wants? Yeah. And that's never the way to think about it. 
I mean, that's the natural way I feel, though. Like, with relationships, you just think, well, I'm just missing something. Now, looking back, it's like, thank God, because one, why would I ever want to be with somebody that, you know, didn't give me what I deserved, you know, wasn't like an actual partner to me? Like, why would I want to be with somebody that ever made me question myself? And both of those situationships were like that for a long time. And now like I have all of those things. Like I am with someone that makes me feel secure every day. I'm with someone that gives me 50-50 that like I know that I can count on, that I know will support me. I have all of the things that I wanted from these other people. And like you said earlier, it's I lost those things that I thought that I wanted at the time so that I could get what I needed later. And even looking back, it's hard not to go back into that same mental space and think like, what would be different if, you know, like I had something that this person wanted, like what could I have done? And it just brings up insecurities essentially, but nobody needs that. Nobody ever needs to feel questioned about themselves in any type of way, especially in a relationship. The right relationship should just be easy. And that's the thing with those rejections it should have been so clear. Right. Like, this is not my person. Exactly. But you get in this headspace where you're so wrapped up. But now you can look back and be like, that wasn't who I was meant to be with. Exactly. It was, in those situations, and now I can kind of realize I would have been forcing somebody to want me or like asking somebody to want me. And that's not what anybody should ever have to do. You know, if somebody does want you, if somebody is invested in you, they'll make it known. 100%. I don't know if I ever told you this story. I probably did. This one guy I dated briefly in college, right before I dated Eric, actually, I thought things were going well with us. And then one day I basically DTR'd, which if you don't know, it's defined the relationship. I was DTRing and I was like, so like, what's going on? So what are we? So basically he was like, (laughs) well, I really like you. Like, I just don't feel the spark. And at the time I took it so hard because I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, I thought, you know, I just thought everything was good. Right. And he's like, I just don't feel it. And I know I should feel it. And at the time it just felt like a slap in the face. It can come out kind of harsh for sure, depending on how they deliver it. But now, but now I'm like, thank, thank you, Jesus. I mean, that's a fair and honest thing to say. I mean, like I said, it doesn't ever feel good to get rejected from anybody. But I mean, really, you that's a favor, you know, that he really said that is. and was honest and upfront. Yeah, because I don't know if I was really getting to that about those two guys that I was talking about, because, you know, it did seem like there was something there. And there were times where I was, you know, reassured of that. It it wasn't just me like making stuff up in my head. You know, there was stuff there. And then it was kind of just like, you're not, I don't want to say that they were ever like, you're not good enough for me. But I mean, that's kind of essentially what it was like. Yeah, it's just, it's not you, you know, and, you know, I guess that's fair. But yeah, not every relationship is meant to work. So if there's like signs, yeah. You just got to take it for what, what it's worth, really. Right. Things like that should not be hard. And I think that that it's hard to see in the moment, but perspective and like looking on the outside later. Hindsight is twenty twenty, baby. It It is. That is my quick TED talk on rejection and just you can let things, you can just process them for what they are. But one day you really will look back and just yeah. realize I was not meant to have any of those things. and. There was much better waiting for me. That's what I was trying to say. I really do think what is for you will be for you. Like I said, you can try to force things, but they're not going to work how they should. And I think the universe can give you a lot of signs like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't it. Wait for something else. And in the moment, you don't want it, you know, like you think that you may want something so bad. I can fix them. Like at the end of the day, you can't. If someone, if you're not meant to be in a relationship, It's going to be like grinding gears, trying to make like a machine run when it's not, you're not compatible. It's not going to work. Right. And I mean, even like you talking about rush, you know, like in the moment you may think that you want something so bad and then, you know, the universe sends you on a different path and years later down the road, you're like, thank God. Thank God. Moral of the story. Rejection is a redirection. Amen. Hallelujah, baby. (laughs) Okay. Well. I think that's that on that. So let's talk about something more fun now. Well, parts of it are more fun. Some of the stuff we have to talk about is not that fun. So this whole story starts off because Kevin 
Britney Spears' ex-husband, posted three videos to his Instagram of private moments between Britney and her two teenage sons. I saw two of them. Where she was momming, like yeah. being a, a normal mom. Mm-hmm. And she w- he was posting these videos to expose her. Right. He like really thought he was doing something with these videos. And there was nothing out of the ordinary. Coming from a mom, I'm watching these videos and I'm like, let these boys talk to me like that. Let my kids talk to me like they're talking to her. My video's worse. 100%. If Preston exposes me one day with some videos, mine is 10 times worse than that. I can guarantee you. I thought she was very well-spoken and she wasn't, you know, she was very calm and collected and just, she was agitated, but she wasn't being out of pocket in any way. Well, and you have to remember during these times, she was unwillingly drugged. Like she was on copious amounts of like lithium and shit so not all like parts of her were there but she is not like you said she's not saying anything crazy anything that i don't think that she should be saying some of it is i mean i guess kind of odd but if you think about her mental state and what was going on in her surroundings at that time like okay and video she literally was just saying you need to respect me like this is my house you need to respect me like oh my god crazy it's so crazy for a mom to tell her sons that they need to respect her like whoa and so then one of them she was getting on to one of the sons about not wearing shoes and like in in a a, store in an ice cream store and she was like that's nasty like you need to wear your shoes in the store and the punishment was her taking his phone and they're like trying to make it seem like there was some child abuse or some shit going on like that is one of the most that's the normal punishment for a teenager that's a tame punishment yeah what do you suggest she do like what do these commenters what suggestions do you have he really thought he was doing something Mm -hmm. with these posts and then obviously the public was like okay what's the point because he deleted the post i think a couple hours later they were gone yeah and he came out with some statement about them right so after he deleted the videos a source from his people says that the videos weren't trying to make Britney seem evil or mean, but they were reminding people that she has a legitimate mental illness and they worry it's going unchecked. That's the quote. Okay, first of all, we know that Britney has a lot of mental trauma in general. Frankly, one that KFED has contributed to because he's been living off of her conservatorship for a long time. However, I will say that he has been taking care of their kids for a lot of the time. But on the other hand, she wasn't allowed to take care of their kids for a long time. So I feel kind of mixed about that. And then the second part of that about it going unchecked. Bitch, where? How is this unchecked? I think that she still has shady people around her. Yeah. I think her husband is shady. You think? Uh Uh-huh. I follow House and Habit on Instagram. If you don't, I really recommend it. I followed her during the Ghislaine Maxwell case. And then she covered a lot of the Johnny Depp trial. I wish so bad we were podcasting during the Johnny Depp trial because I had that shit on all day, every day. I could have talked about that for hours. Anyways, she covers a lot of Britney Spears stuff right now. And people like really trust her with information and she gets a lot of like inside scoop. Yes. And one of the things that I've seen from her recently, so there's these pictures that quote unquote Britney was posting of her like practically nude in a hotel room and she was trying to say that she was in london essentially but people knew that this hotel room was like in oh yeah yeah, was in california yeah so that's just kind of sketchy in itself and is raising red flags for people and then there has been a pattern that has been brought up that quote-unquote britney seems to post scandalous or like revealing photos and then like the next day her husband posts brand deals on his stories or like announces new projects that he's working on and there seems to be like a cycle to that like i said follow house and habit because she like really does a good job deep diving into it and i think there's a lot of red flags about her husband so i think that she still has a lot of sketchy people around her so i don't no know one wants to let britney live well I, i've seen a lot of people like maybe we made a mistake not not that anybody made a mistake as far as free Britney, but there are so many fucked up layers to this that like getting out of the conservatorship was not enough. So I don't think KFED was right in releasing these videos, but in the back of my head, I'm like, he probably knows more than we do. 
maybe he does realize that she still has shady people around her. I don't know. But at the end of the day, you're still an adult and you should still be the example for your kids and not blast these videos of their mom being a parent, like thinking that you're doing some sort of damage. Yeah, it seems like he was just trying to smear her name. And then he also did an interview with Daily Mail a while ago. And he said that the boys are not seeing her. And that's why they decided not to go to her wedding. And they were saying that they were really embarrassed of her photos. But it's like every kid is embarrassed of their parents. So, I mean, you still have to interact with your parents. It's not like she's doing anything to our knowledge that's like terrible. Like, okay, you're uncomfortable with her posting her photos. She's also a celebrity. So like unfollow her. Like you don't have to see them really. I think at the end of the day, it's their mom. Like they should have showed up to her wedding. Yeah. But he seems so shady, though. Like, if they know that, I mean, I don't know that that's wrong, necessarily. Touche. But those videos of Britney is the most coherent I've heard her sound literally since her conservatorship started. Like, she's not talking in that baby voice. But those videos were not recent, though. I think they were from a while ago, those videos. Yeah. So those would have been when she was in her conservatorship. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like... It's just like one of those barriers of that that's broken down from her conservatorship. And even if she is posting scandalous photos on her Instagram, even if it is her, I'm fully not convinced that it even is her. But if it is, she was so controlled for so long. I know that that's hard for your kids to understand, but I feel like that's somebody's job to explain that to them in a certain way, you know? Like, she was controlled. This is the situation. It's a form of self-expression type of thing, you know? I feel like they will look back maybe five or ten years down the road and they'll understand i was thinking that too i hope so they're still young they're still not 18 so it's still a lot for them to process and they're still probably in that teenage mindset where their parents just gross them out so well and there's so much going on around them like britney has shady people around them so i think the kids are around them so it's hard to even know if they actually have the capacity to form their own legitimate opinions considering like their space you know So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that situation. But like I said a little while ago, there also is a little bit of sad news that just happened within the past like two or three days. Yeah. So Jacqueline Hill announced that her ex-husband John Hill has passed away at the age of 33. After some digging, it appears that he passed away in a car accident. If you don't know, which I'm sure most of you do, even if you don't think that you know, you probably do know, Jacqueline Hill was a beauty YouTuber. She really- She's one of the biggest influencers for makeup, beauty, lifestyle. She really opened the door for influencers to have the opportunity to collab with brands. She was the first one that kind of, I think she really paved the way for influencers to have that option for that to even be a thing. She was like the first one to legitimately do that. And since then, she's gone on to make her own brand. She has multiple brands actually. So she is like very big in the beauty world. Um, And yes, she was married to John for nine years. They split in 2018. They had discussed that he had had some addiction issues and that kind of was a part of why they split. Um, I think that they just generally had issues because they got married at like 19 or 20. Right. So, I mean, you know, things can change within that time really easily, but I think addiction was a really big part of his life. And they haven't confirmed his cause of death, but it really seems that it was involved with addiction somehow. So Jacqueline posted, she posted a couple of things on her Instagram, which were very sad. One of which she says is, I know we ended our marriage, but we never stopped loving and caring for each other. She said, all I ever wanted was for you to find your happiness and be free from your struggles. So I know that John was weighing heavy on her for the past couple of years because she knew like things were going downhill. But what are you going to do? You're not married to him anymore. What are you going to do? Right. I think that he had been missing for a few months. So I think that she was aware that things were kind of in bad shape. But I think that was part of why they split because like you can only try to help somebody for so long. You can only invest yourself so much into somebody else's success. And, you know, if they're not going to work for it or want it for themselves, you got to walk away at some point. But like she said, they always like loved each other and they did seem to stay in touch. Mm -hmm. I saw something else that she said on social media that he told her last year that he just wanted to have a hot wife, like a hot, sweet wife so that they could double date. So like they had hard times within their marriage, but there was always love there. And so I know that she, they were just best friends at the end of the day. Yeah. And she has been pretty vocal about struggling about it on Instagram. 
That's so sad. I can't, like, it's one thing to lose someone, but to lose, like, a partner to addiction and you know the past couple years of their life were really, really rough and they were really struggling. Right. It's like, she can't blame herself, but I know she probably feels some part in that, like, totally. There's I left him or whatever. There has to be a big, like, inner turmoil, like, what if we had stayed together? Like, what if this had happened? And it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, all these what ifs. Like, you can't change people. You can't change situations that are just going to be what they are at the end of the day. Yeah. So that was some unfortunate news. It was really sad, honestly. I felt like I started watching Jaclyn Hill when I was a freshman in college. So when I was like really depressed, I would watch Jaclyn Hill videos. Yeah. And and John was in them a lot of the time because they were still married. So it kind of felt like I grew up with them together. Right. And their divorce was honestly really shocking. I didn't, I don't think anybody really saw it coming. So. Yeah. And I mean, it was pretty public too. And they were pretty vocal about it. And even since their divorce and Jaclyn is engaged to another man now who also knew John pretty personally. And she has still been vocal about them being friends and still maintaining a relationship even after their divorce. So I imagine the grief process for something like that just has to be like sticky and tricky because you are in a new relationship and like you want to respect that. But then on the other hand, like that was my husband for nine years. You know, we grew up together. She essentially like got all of her you know, quote unquote, fame and fortune while they were together. And he was by her side through that. That's not something that just goes away. And like, what if they were still married? You know, like imagine even how much harder that would be. Because even though she's gotten to grieve their marriage, now she has to grieve him in general. And it seems like Jacqueline's fiance, though, Jordan is really respectful yeah. like, of their relationship. He commented on her post and yeah, I saw that. he was, he's really respectful. Like I've never seen anything from him. That's weird. Like Jordan seems like he knows the place that John had in Jacqueline's life and right. he, he just respects what they went through. So, well, he, he knew John and Jacqueline as a couple. So, you know, he even got to witness that. So he knew them as a couple. He knew John personally. So he's also grieving somebody that he knew in his personal life. Nonetheless, his fiance's ex-husband. It has to be so hard. And losing somebody in general is hard, but especially to addiction. Yeah. And just knowing how much people struggle and combat with themselves in their heads can be really hard. Yeah, it's horrible. But she did say, you know, she feels like he is at peace now and one can only hope that that is the case. So, Jacqueline, if you ever hear this podcast... <laughs> We're sending you all the good vibes. Time for a little quick bachelorette recap. The first thing I have to say is that I need to go to Belgium. That you need to go to Belgium? Yeah. Okay. It was gorgeous. (laughs) Is Belgium a country? (laughs) I got so much shit for that. Did anybody say anything to you about that? (laughs) Just your mom. Oh, (laughs) I got lots about it. Geography is not my strongest suit, okay? (laughs) But it was gorgeous. It seems like so romantic. I feel like Paris is, you know, like little, it was deemed like the romance yeah. city in Europe. Mm, take it's me to Belgium. Overdone. Yeah, I think it can be a little cheesy. Take me to Belgium, Preston. Preston, I know you're listening to this. <laughs> okay, so the Logan of it all. I'm glad he talked to Rachel first. Yeah, that was respectful of him. I was afraid he was going to go into Gabby and kind of like gauge the situation there and then maybe like decide how to handle it. So 100% he needed to talk to Rachel first about wanting to switch sides, switch teams to team Gabby. I think he worded things as best as he could. I do think he was trying to be respectful. I think he was trying to be sensitive of her feelings, knowing that she had had a hard week and kind of felt like she just kept getting knocked down. Like... The rejection that we were talking about, (laughs) it's hard to word that without hurting somebody. Like, someone's going to get hurt being rejected no matter which way you say it, how politely you try to be. But I do think that he was trying to be considerate of her feelings. Yeah, I think he handled it as well as he could. She said that she wishes she would have known sooner, but I really don't think he could have handled it. 
sooner? Really? She said Logan was seeing how far he could go before he could switch to Gabby. And I don't really agree with that. I think if I was that emotional in the situation, I would think maybe the same thing. But this whole dynamic this season is different and nobody knows how it's going to work. The guys didn't know that they were essentially going to have to pick a side that night until five minutes beforehand. And he was honest with them. Like, I'm talking to both of you. I've kissed both of you. They knew that. And he was upfront about that. And then all of a sudden, like, he had to pick a side and he got a rose from somebody else. Like, he thought it was going to be Gabby and he got it from Rachel. And I don't think it's crazy of him to be like, yeah, I, like, I was vibing on her. Like, let me see, like, how this can go. But I don't think that it's his fault that he was still thinking about Gabby when he didn't have actual time to explore that and he was giving no warning that he would have to choose. Yeah, I feel like they had to choose pretty fast. It was fast and with no warning. Yeah. So I really have to eat my words on what I said last week about this whole situation because I said I can't see either of them really caring about him either way. Oh. But Gabby actually seemed pleasantly surprised by the conversation that he went and had with her. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't like scream crying, jumping up and down, but she was like, yeah, like, let's see where it goes. Yeah, because she said that he was the only overlap Mm -hmm. really between the two of them, but she didn't really want to make a fuss of it. I think that she's just such a good friend that if Rachel like really seemed that she was into him, she just backed backed down. But that doesn't mean that she didn't like him. And they both knew that like there was like a little love triangle going on there beforehand. They were all aware of it. I still don't know if I see him going far in the season, but I can really see him showing up on Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, he'll, he will rock. He'll be bopping around Paradise. He'll be big in Paradise. I don't think he's going to last that much longer because they don't, neither of them have hardly any guys. They both have like six, seven guys and that's like the majority of their season. Okay, so... I think this past week that we're talking about was week five. I think like a normal bachelorette would still have like 10 plus guys. Yeah, because normally there's a couple bigger cuts where two or three go home. Right. Yeah. So they the season is moving very fast. Well, I just feel like they're at a disadvantage. I don't feel like they have as much to choose from. Like they have really small groups. Like six people. How are you going to stand there confidently and say, my husband is in here when you could theoretically have doubled in that on a regular season. I don't know. I think they're at a disadvantage with that. I don't know if either of them are really going to come out on top in this whole season. I don't think Rachel has super strong connections with anybody. I think her top two are going to be Zach and Tino. Yeah, she had that date with Tino that went it went well. Mm-hmm. I just don't see any strong spark between anybody and Rachel right now. Yeah, no. But man, if I hear her say, I'm failing as a bachelorette one (laughs) more time, if that were a drinking game for this past episode, I would need my stomach pumped. Alcohol poisoning. (laughs) I saw a clip of Nick Vile on his podcast saying, who was it? It was Clayton. He said um, on Clayton's season that he was taking like the role of The Bachelor too seriously and wasn't stepping out of that. And he said that he feels Rachel is doing the same thing. And I 100% agree. I'm like, stop looking at it as this like role that you have to fill and these criteria that you have to meet. Like it's not a pass or fail type thing. It's either you go and you have a connection with somebody and you feel like you want to be with them or you don't. But it doesn't mean that you fail. What is that? What? Yeah, maybe she's forcing things with some of them because she wants, she doesn't want to feel like a flop when she knows, she knows that Gabby has connections and it seems like she's got a lot of people that really care about Gabby. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like she's making it a lot harder than it has to be. And then also you're canceling dates, you're canceling cocktail parties and you're not giving these people the opportunity to show you the attention that you're like so badly begging for. I think she's really shooting herself in the foot in a lot of ways. Her spray tan was on fleek, though. Did you notice that? No. Oh, my God. Whenever she did have, like, a cocktail party or whatever, and she finally got to hang around with those men, one, she has some sexual frustration that, like, I could feel through the screen. The way she was looking at these men, I was like, ooh. Mm. Rachel needs someone to touch her, and her spray tan was 10 out of 10. I didn't have anything that was that groundbreaking about Gabby. 
Um, Which is another week in Gabby land. Okay, for Gabby, I literally wrote down in my notes, looks hot as hell on this group date in that little black two-piece set. She's stunning. She Honestly, no, both of them are stunning. I look at them and I'm like, wow, beautiful woman. I keep referring back to TikToks, but I said in one of our other episodes how Carrie, the stylist, is dressing them different. And she literally said in an interview this past week that she dresses Gabby like hot and sexy. I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. And then she said she dresses Gabby or Rachel like mother of the bride. So I'm not the only one that's picking up on that. Why? Um, it's questionable. I don't know why the differences of them. I think that they're the producers are plotting against Rachel. I think they're kind of trying to make her crack, even in the way they're dressing her. It does seem they're trying to push her towards the edge. So yeah, Gabby looked fine as hell. Oh, it was the fish tortilla challenge, where they were smacking each other in the face with the fish on the group date. <laughs> I must have missed that part. <laughs> You were zoned out for all of that. I was. I haven't expressed my hate for Eric yet. I don't think the hot one. Unfortunately, he's hot with the mullet. Meatball? No. Oh. (laughs) First of all, Meatball was team Rachel. Second of all, he's gone. Okay. Who else is mullet? No, Eric is on team Gabby. Let me pull up a picture. Hold on. But do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Um... Yes, so I haven't expressed my dislike for him, but he was the one that literally said that he was mad that he didn't get like a group date rose one time. And he said something after the group date or a rose ceremony this week. He literally said, I don't need to be here for eight more weeks to waste my time. Saying like, essentially saying that if he doesn't win, that it's a waste for him. And like the competition aspect of it. Like that is such a shitty thing to say. This is like literally what you signed up for though. Like, did you miss that part? His attitude sucks. I don't like him. Another thought that I had, isn't it crazy that most of these men are our age? They're like 23, 24. They kind of look older. That's what I'm saying. When you see people on TV like that, I envision them as like so much older and so much more mature than me. Some of these men are younger than me. So, yeah, Gabby had the, um, like, the group date where they did the tortilla challenge, but (laughs) with the fish that Caroline cannot recall. (laughs) Um, There's nothing else that, like, monumental. She had a one-on-one with Johnny. I don't care for him, but they kind of are goofy and... He's like a bag of rocks to me. They're silly together. I don't really care for him at all. He has the personality of bread. Yeah, he's, he's pretty bread. I don't know. I, she's just, like, so funny and so personable. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those like opposites attract type of thing. You know, maybe she needs someone that's a little bit more subdued and just kind of like lets her shine. I just can't see him going far either. I think he goes far. You think? Mm -hmm. I think we'll be surprised. Oh, God. I don't really want to watch Johnny for another couple weeks. (laughs) I know. There's not much there to watch. But no, I think we're going to be surprised and that he's going to go far. I think her top two... I don't know. I don't think Logan's going to last that much longer. I think mm-hmm. Nate is definitely top two. I might say Nate and Johnny. Well, while we're talking about Nate, some unfortunate news. Yeah. Apparently, so did you see the TikTok that this girl posted where she said that she was dating a guy for a year and a half and never found out that he had a kid until he she was saw on reality him on the, TV? Yeah, until he was on TV. Let me put two and two together there. There's a whole article that Reality Steve put together where basically this girl came to him and said, hey. She came with the receipts too. There were tons of photos of them. Like, you can't make this up. So she was dating Nate. So Kelsey was dating Nate for a year and a half. They went on multiple vacations together. He met her family. She was around his friends. Like, they were... It's not like casual dating where you don't need to meet somebody's kid. You know, like we hang out every once in a while. It's not something where they need to be around my kid. If you're going on vacations together, what the hell? If you're meeting people's families, it should have come up. Yeah. So they dated for a year and a half and she never found out that he had a kid. And then she also was messaged by a girl. She got that, hey girl, message. (laughs) I don't know how far into the relationship. I think about a year in, she got a message and Nate had been dating another girl. I think her name's like Larie Larray. He had been dating that girl. LuLaRoe? As- <laughs> no. <laughs> he had been dating LuLaRoe. <laughs> <laughs> I 
him and LuLaRoe were more casual, <laughs> but he had flown out to see her on like February 6th for like an early Valentine's Day. That's and not then that had, casual And then flying. had come back and had Valentine's Day with Kelsey. So like within a week of each other. And the funny thing is he was on his Valentine's Day date with Kelsey. He had sent flowers oh, no. to LuLaRoe. <laughs> like what? I think that people are allowed to casually date two people at the same time or even if you're upfront about it you know like yeah we're together but like i mean i'm also talking to somebody else that's not crazy but these type of things where you're flying to see somebody else or with this person you're going on family vacations that's not casual and that's like all the red flags to me yeah nate is this is so sad because we really liked him. Like everything was looking great for Nate. No, I'm I was um I was team Nate. I like can put my clown makeup on now. <laughs> I was bamboozled. I was shooketh when I saw this. I was not expecting this. I thought he was a good guy. I, thought, I was calling him Tyler Cameron 2.0. This is How dare I? Tyler Cameron whatever. Mm-mm. So Tyler Cameron respects women. Nate, this is not the move. And you know what? This really brings up a good point. If you're gonna go on the Bachelorette, you're gonna get you're gonna get exposed if you did anything shady. I mean, look at the past. What do you like? You think that that's not gonna come up? I really don't understand. Like, you just think that you can be shady and shitty, and that nobody's gonna find out about it. Look back at Jed and you know his girlfriend that was like waiting for him to come home. Like, I feel like there's someone every season yeah. that essentially has somebody come out of the woodworks and expose you for like, who you I are. Was just engaged to him, like. What did you Same think was going to happen? And Kelsey and Nate have not been broken up for that long. That would be just imagine being in Kelsey's shoes. Yeah. You're dating a guy for a year and a half. Then you get the Hey Girl message where he was <sighs> dating someone else. Then finding out when you see him on The Bachelorette that he has a child. How do you even hide a child from somebody for a year and a half? He must not. Ha- That's the thing. He must not spend that much time with a child. You know, you can't have full custody of a child and hide it. That's what I'm saying. The logistics of it don't make any sense. Yeah, but math ain't mathin'. But me as a parent, I feel like all I do is talk about my kids. Like, ask me anything about my day. It revolves around my kids. Like, that is just so much more effort than I would ever be willing to put in. Like, you legitimately have to try hard. To not talk about them. Unless, like you're saying, he's just, like, never around his kid, which that's a whole other issue in itself. And then it's like this whole facade he has is how he's such a, like, a dad, blah, blah, blah. But And Gabby he, gave him those chocolates for his daughter, and he, like, ooh. I don't know. I just, I feel like Bobo the Clown. I really hope that Nate wasn't her final person, because if they're really together right now in real life when this came out, right. that would be the slap in the face. Well, he commented on one of their Instagrams mm-hmm. and said that there's two sides to every story. Let's hear it. Like, like what? What's the side? So I'm sure we're gonna hear all about this at the men tell all. I, mean, I think I so too. Can't wait. I want to hear it though. But like as what, you see, what all of this seems there? pretty damning. I don't really know like how you're gonna come back from that. I mean, I guess we'll find out. The receipts were they were there for both both of these girls. Like the story lines up. I don't know how you could fake this story. <sighs> I'll be interested to hear. Men tell all. They just filmed it. Um, yeah. This past week. So. That's all I really have on The Bachelorette. Me too. It looks like there's some good stuff coming up, though. Like something, someone called Tino a baby back bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> like, there's a lot of, um, lots of tears. The most dramatic season yet. The most dramatic. But I don't know. I think we're in for a good couple weeks. So, yeah. The Bachelorette looks like we have a good few weeks ahead of us. So, we'll be interested. Do you have anything else that you feel like you need to talk about that you have to get off your chest this week? I have put everything on the table. Okay, so next week we're going to talk about the summer I turned pretty. Yes. I'll keep you updated. I don't know if I said I'm reading Verity right now. So it ends with us and ugly love. We're working on Caroline getting to read it. (laughs) But we'll just we'll start with the first piece of homework the summer I turned pretty. We'll talk about it next week. So thanks for listening. Please subscribe. 
rate, review, all the fun stuff. And then you can follow me on Instagram at caroline.clon, C-L-O-N. Yes, please leave reviews and comments and things that will contribute to my quarter life crisis and help my quarter life crisis. My Instagram is Addison Eteaki, E-T-E-A-K-I. E-T-E-A-K-I. One more thing before we go, we just realized that we forgot to talk about it when we started recording. We have new album art. I hope that you have noticed that by now. We have new album art. Our really, really, really good friend Lacey made it for us. Um, She does a lot of like graphics and different things like that. She's way more talented than I am by 1000 miles. So thank you so much, Lacey, for working on this for us. Her Instagram is at sunbaked and satisfied so please follow her on there we really appreciate her working so hard on making this for us let us know what you think about the new cover thank you so much for being a part of my quarter life crisis and we'll see you next wednesday bye goodbye